Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to episode seven of season six of the Tom Petty Project podcast, which is another holiday bonus episode. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalog song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Now, that intro doesn't actually work very well for this special bonus episode because today I'm going off-road, Ghosted Road to be specific, which is the new single from the mega-talented, multi-instrumentalist and lifelong Tom Petty fan, Jake Thistle. I've recounted this before, but I've been a big fan of Jake since I saw the video of his performance at the Tom Petty All-Star Concert in 2019. He performed, among others, uh, learning to fly with members of the Heartbreakers behind him. He was 15 at the time. And since then, he's gone from strength to strength and released his debut album on December 12, 2020. Uh, this was written and recorded entirely by Jake in what he calls a demo format. They're all acoustic numbers and very stripped down arrangements. I had the great privilege to chat to Jake for a couple of hours on a live stream earlier this year in which he played an array of Heartbreakers, Mudcrutch and Tom Solo songs and also gave me some insights into his own music, including Lines on the Road, which he played for me during that stream. What always strikes me about this young man is not just how ferociously talented he is, but also how studious and serious he is about developing his craft. If you look at his heroes, Tom Petty, Jackson Brown, Bruce Springsteen, John Prine, John Hyatt, you know, he shares that intense passion for what he does with them. Another thing that he shares with them is a humility and approachability that is both genuine and magnetic. Society is often drawn to the bad boys of rock and roll rather than the grounded, principled ones, so it's really refreshing to see a Gen Z kid sticking firmly to the music that moves him and to the principles of the artists he admires most. It makes him very easy to like and his music very easy to connect with. On December 16th of this year, Jake released his first single recorded professionally with a full band, and it's everything I was hoping it would be. Plenty of guitar, some Hammond organ, and most importantly, Jake's inimitable voice. Now, when I talk about Tom's music, I have an invaluable resource in Paul Zolo's superb book, Conversations with Tom Petty, in which we hear Tom discuss his songs in his own words. So to complement this episode, I figured I'd go straight to the source and ask Jake a bunch of questions about the song or the process so that I could share his thoughts directly with you in the episode. And as always, Jake was just incredibly helpful and happy to go into detail about the things that I was interested in. So a massive thanks as always to him for A, adding to my library of excellent music, and B, for being generous enough to share his thoughts. I know he's an almost impossibly busy fella and he's on his Christmas holidays, but he didn't mind me pestering him over a couple of days. So thanks again, Jake. So the first cool thing right out the gate is where this one was recorded. Jake says... We recorded this at Lake House Studios in Asbury Park, New Jersey, which is a town full of Jersey music and culture, so it was very fun to work there. So straight away there's a Springsteen connection, right, with the boss's debut album being titled Greetings from Asbury Park. I'd mentioned to Jake back when we chatted that I always hear a little bit more West Coast influence in his music rather than East Coast, but it definitely fits loosely in that heartland rock slash Americana genre and pulls though from all corners of the US. This is one of a few songs that Jake recorded during his Lake House studio time but this one is unique in that he had written it uh, a long time before recording. He posted a video of the song to his YouTube channel back in August of last year. So it's one that he'd had burning a hole in his brain waiting to be recorded for quite a while. So I asked him whether he had it fully formed going in into the studio or whether the arrangement changed much once he had a band run through it with him. And he told me, Before going in the studio for this song, unlike some others we recorded, I'd been sitting on Ghosted Road for a while. So in playing it, although solo, I had figured out how I wanted the song arranged and broken up through trial and error on my own. 
which is why the full band structure is similar to those solo versions. Of course, when you get other musicians involved, you're always going to keep an ear out for the things that they may add or subtly change. And Jake went on to say that, that said, in working with these incredible musicians, their contributions to the final product were immeasurable. The song starts with bass, drums, and guitar. A nice bright crash cymbal leads us into the rhythm part with a strummed acoustic and electric guitar, and then some subdued Mike Campbell-esque fills adding in some atmosphere, which are panned left, as Mike's guitars often were on those first two albums. That's coincidence, possibly, or maybe a very subtle nod back to an influence. Uh, I'm not too sure. I didn't ask that. In any case, it makes them stand out nicely. So, no wasting time. Straight into a tight four-bar intro to lead into that first verse with a a slick snare roll into the one. Um, I'm going to say right out the gate, too, the production on this song is outstanding. And huge credit to Jacob Kulik, I assume that's how it's pronounced, uh, for really understanding what Jake was trying to say with this song. I talk a lot about drums on this podcast, given my, you know, hobbyist drumming experience, and I love how present they are in the mix in this track, and especially how good the cymbals sound. They're forward, but not overpowering, and the snare has a a nice richness to it that makes it feel like you're in the room while it's being played. Mike Santa Cruz is behind the kit on this one and lays in a really good groove early on that actually kind of reminds me a little bit of bands like Counting Crows or Wallflowers. So it's, you know, all those influences, Jackson Brown, Tom Petty, but, but updated sort of in that next sort of generation. He's playing a double note on the third beat of each bar on the kick and keeping really light time in the hat. It sets the mid-tempo of the song perfectly. Uh, Michael Bresky on bass follows the root notes of the progression, including that step up down on the acoustic guitar. And if I'm looking at comparisons with the Heartbreakers, which I'm obviously going to do with a song like this, it's more of a, at this point, it's more of a Howie Epstein bass line than a Ron Blair part. Deep in the pocket, just filling in that low frequency. Jake's vocal starts in that velvety low register that he has, and it's recorded with a really tight reverb, so you're listening to his natural tone, not something that's really processed or saturated. And after going through four bars of the first chord progression, which I think is E, G flat, or G flat minor and A, we get a descending change for the next four bars before the big vocal push into the chorus, at which point the Hammond organ joins in and really fills out the sound beautifully. And I love baiting the hook of the song on one word in that minor key with a big hang, then leading into the chorus if you just told me to stay on that descending chord change. Super effective, and again, we get a great little drum fill here into the chorus. And this is the first time we get some harmonies on the first word, O. So again, really creative decisions to have that octave change on the last word of the verse, and then a big harmony on the first word of the chorus. You know, nice little dovetails that make the transition from the A section to the B section feel natural and seamless. The harmonies on the line at the end of the chorus, never wanting to leave, are another little bit of stardust that really make that line pop. And then there's a nice final descending chord progression to bring us back out of that chorus. The second verse proceeds, you know, mostly the same as the first, with some different flavors coming from Nick Nella on lead guitar. And that lead guitar tone also sounds maybe slightly distorted now, uh, to give the second verse a slightly different dynamic. We also have the organ uh, mixed down low through this section to fill the sound out again, and just moves the song forward in a subtle way. About that Hammond organ part, Jake said, Michael Bresky, the bass player, was actually the one who laid that organ down that you hear in the mix. I had a specific part in mind, so I played it, so he had the idea, but I knew he had what was needed to really make that part pop. Now, non-musicians might wonder why Jake wouldn't just play that part himself. He plays piano, right? Well, you know, as a, again, a a hack piano player, I can attest that organ is a very different thing to play than piano. I'm actually struggling right now to write and learn an organ part for a song that I'm working on. Piano comes naturally to me, but an organ is much closer to, it's almost closer to strings in some ways, so you have to play them with a very different set of ears. So it's an example of, you know, Jake coming in with a really solid idea of what the arrangement should be, then having expertise around him to help him realise that sound, and that makes for a really good musical marriage. 
Uh, I love too that the acoustic is really deep and resonant in this second verse, yet manages to find some sonic space between the other guitar parts and the bass. It's not muddy, you know. You know, and at around so I think it's about one fifty-five. If you listen, there's a nice fat acoustic guitar up-down note that sits in counterpoint to what the lead is filling in. So the guitars are really layered, but like I said, it's been mixed so nicely that they're never competing for space or treading on each other's toes. Again, the drum fill back into the second verse after rest as the push word is mixed back a little so it's not overpowering, but it's beautifully played again. Um, and yet again, if I were drawing a comparison, this song, uh, the drum part in this song is definitely more Ferroni than Lynch in feel. And as I'm sitting listening to the second chorus, there's another vocalist dude that's crept into my brain who I think Jake has sort of shades of and hues of, and that's John Waite of Missing You and Bad English fame. Maybe it's because Missing You has, oh man, I mean, it, it's tenuous and it's loose, but it's got a similar push into the chorus. You know, so there was just that little tickle at the back of my mind that made a, a connection to that song and John Waite's vocal. After the second chorus, we get a really tasty, bluesy solo from Nick Nella that leads us into the bridge. It's not a huge dynamic shift. It's the same tempo, just a different chord progression and a different lyrical cadence from Jake. It's also major key, so it's enough of a change to act as a little breakdown with some big pushes on the drums before they drop out and lead us into the final chorus. Lyrically, this is another excellent little creative choice. The two previous choruses start with, oh, I'm just a ghosted road, but this one, having that big stop and then the flam on the drums, Jake drops that first beat and comes in instead on, I'm just a ghosted road. You know, it's wonderful. Really good decision. <laughs> It's not time for petty trivia, it's time for some Jake Thistle trivia. So, you know, I may, I thought I may as well keep the theme going and throw all you Jake fans a little mini quiz to test your knowledge. Um, and as a treat, if you post your answers to my social media, uh, you'll be entered to win a free signed copy of Jake's debut uh, CD down the line. So go look for the posts on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter for that uh, and answer these questions. So let's start out with an easy one. Which member of the Heartbreakers gifted Jake a guitar? which he unboxed live on August 3rd of last year. Was it A, Mike Campbell, B, Ron Blair, or C, Scott Thurston? Your second question, at which university did Jake begin his post-secondary education in fall of this year? Was it A, Tufts, B, Harvard, or C, Rutgers? And your last question, which was the first song that nine-year-old Jake Thistle posted to his YouTube channel back on December 16th, 2013? Was it A, American Girl, B, Learning to Fly, or C, I Won't Back Down? Okay, back to the song. Uh, the last chorus really powers us through to the end of the song with Bereski now sounding more like Ron Blair and climbing up the neck, adding in more substance to that bottom end. The cymbals crash through this section and we get a sublime little trill on the ride to signal the end of the rhythm section, leaving Jake and an electric guitar to end the song, which he does by hanging on the penultimate chord rather than on the root note. I asked him specifically about that decision and he said, the more I write, the more I realise I do it almost every time. I guess that's the petty influence in me. As I often do on regular episodes of the podcast, I've left the vocals and lyrics to last. Like all the great singer-songwriters, it doesn't really matter how good you are at writing if you can't deliver it like you mean it. And Jake's voice is improving at a starting rate from being very good a couple of years ago 
or a year ago to a point now where you're having to say that he's pretty much as good as anyone in this sort of Americana roots type sound, at least for me. He has you know certain phrasings where he sounds a lot like Jackson Brown. Um, he writes certain lines that sound like they're lifted from a Tom Petty songbook. And yet they always sound at the end of the day and having your own distinctive voice is key. I really like the decision to stick in that lower register for the verse before, you know, hitting that last note on the on the last word and then staying in that up to mid-range in the chorus. Really shifts the dynamic brilliantly and delineates the two main sections of the song. It's a very, very strong performance from a singer who I could sit and listen to pretty much all day, really. And if you've never listened to one of Jake's live streams that he does, I would recommend doing that. There's quite a few of them uh, back on his uh, on his YouTube channel. And I'll post a link again to the live stream that we did and the um, interpretations by Jake Thistle, which was just the songs that he performed and that I cut out and sort of put up as a, as a separate piece. So go check him out. Um, I'm sure you'll enjoy it, especially if you like this song. Now, lyrically, this shows another evolution in Jake's songwriting. Now, there are recurring themes through his work to date, and roads feature prominently. No wonder. With the number of gigs he does, plus balancing school and home life, he's on the road an awful lot. And so I wondered if the title Ghosted Road was a line that he'd seen or heard or sort of had written down somewhere, you know, to sort of do something with later. But as with so many songs, this was a later change. He told me, I've been working with the staring down the barrel of this town line in a couple of failed first verses prior to getting it uh, how I wanted it. So it was some trial and error to start the song up. And once I got rolling through it, the rest went pretty quick. However, the words Ghosted Road were the last piece to fall in. I actually had the entire song written where I was singing, Oh, I'm just a lonely soul. But I knew it should have something to do with roads or travel considering the rest of the chorus and bridge. So that line wasn't speaking to me. I landed on Broken Road, but I thought the word Ghosted provided some more imagery and was more unique. Anyway, so it stuck. But the song was originally called Lonely Soul. So, you know speaking back as me not jake anymore now that change from lonely soul to ghosted road is as important as the change from you rock me to you wreck me it changes the meaning slightly but it provides much more soul and originality to the song so this is a song about leaving but not necessarily wanting to and it's that wonderful balance of having those sort of you know different layers different meanings you know having spent nine years of my life in the military this is a sentiment i understand really well also having been in relationships uh, that have ended i've also had that feeling in the other sense so that transitional line at the end of the verse, uh, you know I would have hung around if you just told me to stay, with that forlorn howl on stay, really resonates. Similarly, Jake you know, uses that road metaphor, extends that metaphor in the chorus, as he was saying, without it feeling cheesy or over the top, begging you to change the traffic light so I can just move on. All very deliberate, all very cool. I commented to Jake when we talked that he writes with an incisive awareness of the human condition, bordering at times on world weariness that belies his years. Yet, again, it never feels contrived, as it can sometimes do with younger artists. The first two lines of the bridge are absolutely heartbreaking. And he says, I feel my heartbeat sinking with the blinking of the traffic light that I'm standing under. I'm surrounded by the glow of the alternating of the red and yellow colour. And you notice there's no mention of green. It's a character resigned to a negative outcome and feeling unable to really change that outcome in any way. And the best line of the lot, your tears meant nothing next to what your silence said. So that's negotiation, ending finality. And may I remind you that this lad was at most 17 when he wrote this. Imagine what he's going to write if he ever has a couple of ex-girlfriends and maybe a bit of bad luck behind him. Although I'm obviously not wishing that happens. And I'm not one of those people who thinks that artists need to bleed to make great art. Jake does it without all that baggage. <laughs>
Okay, that's all for this week. Uh, Jake told me the recording process was such a blast. This song was my first time with a full band in a professional studio, so it was an incredible learning experience as well. And I'm going to have to stop saying this at some point, and it's probably going to have to be really soon, but Jake's only 18, turning 19 in March next year. To be able to write a song this strong, both lyrically and compositionally, is really, really impressive. Um, but I'm not going to give the non-petty songs that I do a rating out of 10, because with Tom's stuff, I'm sort of using a basic reference point or a baseline. So instead, I'm just going to say that you really all ought to be paying very close attention to this guy if you aren't already. He's still really early in his career, but already has a resume a mile long and several excellent songs under his belt with no signs of slowing down. In fact, he just keeps improving. I was watching a few things back in prep for this, and even in the last 12 months, for example, his piano playing has stepped up a whole new level and his guitar playing is even more consistent. You know, for me, it's been, a, it's been a real thrill finding Jake's music and an even bigger thrill having been lucky enough to connect with him and learn that he's also a rock-solid guy with a fantastic, supportive family behind him urging him on. And as I've said in conversation before, he gives me real hope that the art of songwriting and playing guitars in music is not yet dead, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him play live someday. So check out the episode notes for all my usual rambling about where to find me and all the links to my social media, um, and remember to give uh, to any of the many relief efforts that are supporting the people of Ukraine at this time. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Check out Jake Thistle's music. Uh, try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you on my regular release day next week to share a conversation I had with the very talented and completely wonderful author, Katie Moulton. Bye-bye.